So we have people from all around the world. We have people from different places all around the world coming together for the reading of scripture. That is powerful. Um, TikTok is working now. So uh, Jay Bones' wife, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm running. I'm running right now. On IG, I got a, I'm starting to get more of you guys on IG. That's what's up. I got about 150 of you right now on TikTok, and I got now 25 of you on IG. Oh, snap. IG's starting to get lit. Um, we got Cleveland, Ohio. We've got London in the house. Coventry, New UK in the house. Dallas in the house. Puerto Rico, Toronto, Baltimore, Phoenix, Houston. Um, you guys are all here. St. Louis in the building. South Africa, Queens, New York. Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, Florida. Guys, we are here. We have arrived. And I've got my Facebook family who's here. I didn't get any shout outs, but you guys are our regulars. And so it's good to see you here. I got Facebook working again for some reason. Facebook just wasn't allowing me to broadcast. So I'm just glad that we were able to resolve that and get that running again. So uh, we figured that out. And so we're good to go and we're we're ready to roll. So guys, um, Peor, Illinois, that's what's up. Hawaii in the house. That's great. Okay, so we're going to get right into it. I know we're starting a little bit behind, uh, but today we're going to finish the book of Joshua. Um, so if you can't go ahead and turn your Bible to Joshua 22, what we do here is the read and rant. And, and so we're going to read for about 20 minutes. We're just going to finish the book of Joshua. So it'll be about 20 minutes. We're going to spend about 20 minutes of reading. And then I rant. It's simply just a time of reflection. Um, and so uh, in it, I'll just share wherever the Lord is leading in that moment and in that time. Um, I'm asking three questions during my time when I'm ranting. I'm asking three questions as I'm reading before I even rant. Is I'm prayerfully asking, what is the Lord revealing concerning himself? What is the Lord revealing concerning himself? The second question is, what is the Lord revealing concerning people? And third, what is the Lord revealing concerning me? And so these are things that I want to implore you and uh, encourage you to, to do as you spend some time in the reading of the word as well. Okay. I want you to do that. I want you to pray as I'm about to pray and just ask the Lord to reveal these things to you, to speak to you in your time of reading. This is really a training ground to teach you how you ought to be reading scripture. And I know for many of you who are here, this has been a profoundly transformative endeavor. Uh, it's been a profoundly transformative um, activity for you, especially now that you're gaining a better understanding of what you're reading. Because to, for the first time, for many of you, you're actually reading it all the way through for yourself, not just getting little pieces of Bible everywhere that people are throwing at you. You're actually getting a big picture of what the Bible is really all about, since most people don't really understand what the scriptures are really in totality all about. Okay. And so we're going to go ahead and get, get into prayer and then we're going to get started, fam. Let's do it. Father, I thank you. Lord, I thank you for this time that you have provided to us, Lord, to come together, Lord. We have people right now from all around the world coming together to read your word. Lord, what a privilege it is that you've given us, Lord, your word, Lord, that you've allowed us, Lord, the ability to peek into your heart, your plan, your mission, your desire for us simply through the ministry of your word. So, Father, bless us in this time, Lord, as we engage in your word, engage with us with your spirit, Lord, as we, Lord, <laughs> expose it. If we do much of that, but as we, uh, Lord, exegete and draw out from what it is that this word is revealing to us, Father, exegete our hearts, Lord, that you would, um, Lord, remove in us what needs to be removed, that you would correct in us what needs to be corrected, reveal to us what needs to be revealed, encourage us where we need encouragement. And we say that in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's do it, fam. Let's do it. Uh, Joshua 22, we're closing out the chapter, the last division of land, and then the closing words of Joshua in this scripture. Joshua 22, verse one, then Joshua called the Reubenites, the Gadites and half of the tribe of Manasseh and said to them, you have all kept, you have kept all that Moses, the servant of the Lord commanded you and have obeyed my voice in all that I commanded you. You have not left your brethren these many days up to this day, but have kept the charge of the commandment of the Lord your God. And now the Lord your God has given rest to your brethren, and he, as he promised them. Now, therefore, go, return and go to your tents and to the land of your possession, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you on the other side of the Jordan. But take careful heed to do the commandment and the law which Moses, the servant of the Lord, 
commanded you to love the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to keep his commandments, to hold fast to him, and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. So Joshua blessed them and sent them away, and they went to their tents. Now, to half the tribe of Manasseh, Moses had given possession of Bashan, but to the other half of it, Joshua gave the possession among the brethren on this side of the Jordan westward. And indeed, when Joshua went, <coughs> sent them away to their tents, he blessed them and spoke to them, saying, Return with much riches to your tents, with very, with very much livestock, with silver, with gold, with bronze, with iron, and with very much clothing. Divide the spoil of your enemies with your brethren. So the children of Reuben, the children of Gad, and half the tribe of Manasseh returned and departed from the children of Israel Shiloh which is the land of Canaan, to go to the country of Gilead, to the land of their possession, which they had obtained according to the word of the Lord by the hand of Moses. And when they came to the region of the Jordan, which is in the land of Canaan, the children of Reuben, the children of Gad, the half tribe of Manasseh, built an altar there by the Jordan, a great impressive altar. Now the children of Israel heard someone say, behold, the children of Reuben, the children of Gad, and half the tribe of Manasseh have built an altar on the frontier of the land of Canaan and the region of the Jordan on the children of Israel's side. And when the children of Israel heard of it, the whole congregation of the children gathered together at Shiloh to war against them. Then the children of Israel sent Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the priest, to the children of Reuben, to the children of Gad, and to the, to the, to the tribe of Manasseh, the half tribe of Manasseh, into the land of Gilead, and with them ten rulers, one ruler, each from the chief house of every tribe of Israel. And each one was the head of the house of his father among the divisions of Israel. When they came to the children of Reuben, the children of Gad, and the half tribe of Manasseh, to the land of Gilead, and they spoke with them, saying, Thus says the whole congregation of the Lord, What treachery is this that you have committed against the God of Israel? to turn away this day from following the Lord in that you have built for yourselves an altar that you may rebel this day against the Lord. Is the iniquity of Peor not good enough for us from which we are not cleansed till this day? Although there was a plague in the congregation of the Lord and that you must turn away this day from the following from following the Lord. And it shall be if you rebel today against the Lord, that tomorrow he will be angry with the whole congregation of Israel? Nevertheless, if the land of your possession is unclean, then cross over to the land of the possession of the Lord, where the Lord's tabernacle stands, and take possession among us. But do not rebel against the Lord, nor rebel against us, by building yourselves an altar beside the altar of the Lord our God. Did not Achan, the son of Zerah, commit a trespass in the accursed thing? And wrath fell on all the congregation of Israel. And that man did not perish alone in his iniquity. Then the children of Reuben and the children of Gad and half the tribe of Manasseh answered and said to the heads of the divisions of, of Israel, The Lord God of gods, the Lord God of God, he knows of gods, he knows. And let Israel itself know. If it is in rebellion or if in treachery against the Lord, do not save us this day. If we have built ourselves an altar to turn from following the Lord, or if to offer on it burnt sacrifices or grain offerings, or if to offer peace offerings on it, let the Lord himself require an account. But in fact, we have done it for fear, for reason, saying, in time to come, your descendants may speak to our descendants, saying, what have you to do with the Lord God of Israel? For the Lord has made the Jordan a border between you and us. You children of Reuben and children of Gad have no part in the Lord. So much there. So your descendants would make our descendants cease fearing the Lord. Therefore, we said, let us not prepare to build ourselves an altar, not for burnt offering nor for sacrifice, but that it may be a witness between you and us and our generation after us, that we may perform the service of the Lord before him with our burnt offerings, with our sacrifices, 
and with our peace offerings, that your descendants may not say to our descendants in time to come, you have no part in the Lord. Therefore we said that it will be when they say this to us and to our generations in time to come, that we may say, here is the replica of the altar of the Lord, which our fathers made, though not for burnt offerings nor for sacrifices, but it is a witness between you and us. Far be it from us that we should rebel against the Lord and turn from following the Lord to this day to build an altar of burnt offerings for grain offerings or for sacrifices besides the altar of the Lord our God, which is before his tabernacle. Now when Phinehas, the priests, and the rulers of the congregation, the heads of Israel, who were with him, heard the words the children of Reuben, the children of Gad, and the children of Manasseh spoke to please them, then Phinehas, the son of Eleazar the priest, said to the children of Reuben, the children of Gad, and the children of Manasseh, This day we perceive that the Lord is among us, because you have not committed this treachery against the Lord. Now you have delivered the children of Israel out of the hand of the Lord. And Phinehas, the son of Eleazar the priest, and the rulers returned from the children of Reuben, the children of Gad, from the land of Gilead to the land of Canaan, to the children of Israel, and brought back word to them. So the thing pleased the children of Israel, and the children of Israel blessed God. They spoke no more of going against them in battle to destroy the land where the children of Reuben and Gad dwelt. The children of Reuben and the children of Gad called the altar witness for it is a witness between us that the Lord is God Joshua 23 now it came to pass a long time after the Lord had given rest to the children of Israel from all the enemies round about that Joshua was old advanced in age and Joshua called for all Israel for their elders from their heads for their judges and for their officers and said to them, I am old, advanced in age. You have seen all that the Lord your God has done to all these nations before you. For the Lord your God is he who has fought for you. See, I have divided to you a lot by lot these nations that remain to be an inheritance for your tribes from the Jordan with all the nations that I have cut off as far as the great sea westward. And the Lord your God will expel them from before you and drive them out of your sight. So you shall possess their land as the Lord your God promised you. Therefore, be very courageous to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, lest you turn aside from it to the right hand or to the left, unless you do among these nations, those who remain among you, you shall not make mention of the name of their gods, nor cause anyone to swear by them. You shall not serve them, nor bow down to them, but you shall hold fast to the Lord your God, as you have done to this day. For the Lord has driven out from before you a great and strong nations. Sorry, for, driven out from before you great and strong nations. But as for you, no one has been able to stand against you to this day one man of you shall stand shall chase a thousand for the lord your god is he who fights for you as he promised you therefore take careful heed to yourselves that you love the lord your god or else if indeed you do go back and cling to the remnant of these nations that these remain among you and make marriages with them and go into them and they to you know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive these nations from before you. They shall be snares and traps to you and scourges on your side and thorns in your eyes until you perish from this good land which the Lord your God has given you. Behold this day, I am going the way of all the earth. And you know all you know in all your hearts and in all your souls that not one thing has failed of all the good things which the Lord your God spoke concerning you. All have come to pass to you. Not one word of them has failed. Therefore, it shall come to pass that as all the good things that have come upon you, which the Lord your God promised you, so the Lord will bring upon you 
all harmful things until he has destroyed you from this good land, which the Lord your God has given you. When you have transgressed the covenant of the Lord your God, which he commanded you and have gone and served other gods and bowed down to them, then the anger of the Lord will burn against you and you shall perish quickly from the good land which he has given you. Last chapter. Then Joshua gathered all the tribes of the children of Shechem and called for the elders of Israel, for their heads, for their judges and for their officers. And they presented themselves before the Lord. And Joshua said to all the people, thus says the Lord God of Israel, your fathers, including Terah, the father of Abraham and the father of Nahor, dwelt on the other side of the river in old times, and they served other gods. Then I took your father Abraham from the other side of the river and led him throughout the land of Canaan and multiplied his descendants and gave him Isaac. To Isaac, I gave Jacob and Esau. To Esau, I gave the mountains of Seir to possess. But Jacob and his children went down to Egypt. Also, I sent Moses and Aaron and I plagued Egypt according to what I did among them. Afterward, I brought you out. Then I brought your fathers out of Egypt and you came to the sea. And the Egyptians pursued your fathers with chariots, horsemen to the Red Sea. So they cried out to the Lord and he put darkness between you and the Egyptians, brought the sea upon them and covered them. Your eyes saw what I did in Egypt. Then you dwelt in the wilderness a long time. And I brought you out of the land of the Amorites who dwelt on the other side of the Jordan and they fought for you. But I gave them into your hand that you might possess their land. And I destroyed them from among you. Then Balak, the son of Zippor, the king of Moab, also to make war against Israel and sent and called Balaam, the son of Beor, to curse you. But I would not listen to Balaam. Therefore, he continued to bless you. So I delivered you out of his hand. Then you went out over the, then you went over the Jordan and came to Jericho and the men of Jericho fought against you. Also, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Gergesites, the Hivites and the Jebusites. But I delivered them into your hand. I sent the hornet before you, which drove them out from before you. Also, the two kings of the Amorites, but not with your sword or with your bow. I have given you a land for which you did not labor and cities you did not build and you dwelled in them. You eat of the vineyards and the olive groves, which you did not plant. Now, therefore, fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and in truth. And put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods of your fathers, your father served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So the people answered and said, far be it from us that we would forsake the Lord to serve other gods for the Lord. Our God is he who brought us and our fathers up out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who did those great things in our sight and preserved us in all the way that we went and among all the people whom we passed. And the Lord drove out from before us all the people, including the Amorites, who dwelt in the land, we also serve the Lord, for he is our God. But Joshua said to the people, you cannot serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do harm and consume you after he has done you good. Goodness gracious. And the people said to Joshua, no, but we will serve the Lord. So Joshua said to the people, you are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen the Lord for yourselves to serve him. And they said, we are witnesses. Now, therefore, he said, put away foreign gods, which are among you and incline your heart to the Lord God of Israel. Goodness gracious. And the people said to Joshua, the Lord, our God, we will serve. 
and his voice we will obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and made them a statute and an ordinance in Shechem. Then Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God. And he took a large stone and set it up under the oak that is that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. And Joshua said to all the people, behold, this stone shall be a witness to us. For it, is, for it is heard all the words of the Lord, which has been spoken to us. It shall be therefore witness to you, lest you deny your God. So Joshua let the people depart each to his own inheritance. Goodness gracious. Now it came to pass after these things that Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died, being 110 years old. And they buried him within the border of the inheritance of Timnath Sarah which is in the mountains of Ephraim, on the north side of Mount Gosh. Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had known the works of the Lord, which he had done in Israel. The bones of Joseph, which the children of Israel had brought out of Egypt, they buried in Shechem, in the plot of ground which Jacob had bought from the sons of Hamor, the father of Shechem for 100 pieces of silver, which had become the inheritance of the children of Joseph. And Eliezer, the son of Aaron, died. They buried him in a hill belonging to Phinehas, his son, which he had given him in the mountains of Ephraim. <sighs> the word of God. The word of God. Lord, speak to us. There's just a lot here. There's a lot here to unpack, a lot here to uh, uh, to make sense of as we have read through and finished the book of Joshua. If you are um, here with us and maybe you've jumped in and you've eavesdropped on what's happening here, I want to just let you know ahead of time that this is uh, what we call the read and rant. We just spent 20 minutes reading the word, 20 or 30 minutes reading the word, half a Netflix episode, reading the word of God. And then I spend about another 20, 30 minutes just reflecting on, on what I'm reading that day. Now, this isn't necessarily a Bible study, but it is a time of reflection in the scripture. Um, and with that, it's really to journey with you through the scriptures. I think many of you may have uh, up to this point. Thank you so much, Teresa. Uh, many of you have uh, up to this point have have journeyed with me some from the beginning, but have journeyed through the entire New Testament. And now we are, we just finished the book of Joshua since we've read now Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And now we finished the book of Joshua. Tomorrow we start the book of Judges, which I'm excited about. Um, I, I just, I just love the truth and the things that are revealed in the book of Judges. But in the book of Joshua, as we close, um, I, I, I just, I like the way the book ends because um, it ends in a very similar way. It's almost like deja vu. We see the book of Joshua ending very much in the way the book of Deuteronomy ended, where the prophet leader of the community and the congregation, the nation of people, is uh, displaying or delivering, sorry, his final words, his final words to the children of Israel. And the tone of both of these guys are very similar in the sense that both of them are really giving tone, a tone of uh, retrospection. That's what I'll call it, a tone of retrospection. Essentially, we're saying that, they, that, that they're being given a tone of go back, go see, go look, remember. Remember how far you've come from. Remember what has happened. Remember what has transpired up to this point. I like throughout the entire uh, Old Testament narrative, as we're reading the story of the children of Israel, that is a continual repeating, repeating, repeating of the history of the children of Israel. Again, further emphasizing what I had mentioned to you before, that for many people, we read the Bible wrong. We read it like it's a book of rules or we read it like something that, uh, especially the Old Testament, we read it as, in, as, as things that Christians need to do in order to be good Christians or to live a good Christian life. And yet that's not what we're seeing through the narrative. Rather, what we're seeing is, is we're seeing a story. Um, we're seeing a story of a people, of a chosen people 
who are really the backbone of the history of all humanity. These are peculiar people and they're people that were set aside. And so we're seeing the story of a people, not a book of rules that we ought to follow. So now that we're seeing a story of a people, then when we read this and we read the law and all these things that have been provided to us, what we're reading is, again, um, how these people are being shaped and formed into fulfilling and dramatizing the story of God and his people. Let's put it, I'm going to make it real simple for you, is that God's story for humanity is being primarily written through this story of God's people that is the children of Israel. It's not specific to us, but it is for us and it's for our understanding and it's for our edification. I think it's so critical because when you start reading the Bible this way, now you get out of rule reading and seeking rules and what God is telling you to do as it pertains to laws, because there is no law. You're not under the law. Okay. Um, you're not under the law. You were never under the law. Okay. Even when Paul was speaking uh, and articulating that we are not under the law, but we're under grace. He's not talking. He, was, he wasn't even talking to the Gentiles. He was talking to the Jews, okay? It was the Jews who had the law. The law wasn't for anyone else, okay? So when you read the Old Testament, you read Exodus, you read all these things, people, a lot of times, um, um, <laughs> you know, a lot of Christians read it like, okay, these are things that I'm supposed to be doing and it's telling me to do this and do that, do this. No, okay? We read this to read a story, to read a narrative, to read a history um, of a people, okay? So we are not under the law because we were never under the law. We're not subject to the law. And the law was not good enough to save. Okay. That was not what it meant. When he says we're not under the law, it wasn't for a means of salvation either. We've made it into that because we have a way of thinking that we import or impute on the text. Those who follow the law go to heaven. Those who don't follow the law go to hell. That's not, that's not actually biblical. Okay. It's not biblical. Okay, so I want to make sure you understand that. But rather, this is actually a story of how God is restoring humanity and he's doing it through the history of these people. Okay, he's restoring humanity through the history of these people. Now, we see that over and over again, there's a repeating. If you've been paying close attention to our time reading together, um, you're going to see how repetitive um, it can be sometimes how often it is that we're being reminded of things that God had done. How often it is we're being reminded of things that God had done to the children of Israel and through the children of Israel, which actually speaks into, um, a reality, which is for many of us here today, we need reminding you know, as as the, the the miracles that happen in our lives, we need reminding. The things that we that God does through us, we need reminding. We need reminding of the blessings of God and the grace of God. We need reminding. We need re, we need reminding of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We 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 need reminding. We have a tendency to forget. Christian amnesia is a real thing. We tend to forget continually of the goodness and the blessings and the grace and the love of God. We have a way of forgetting very, very quickly. And I now I understand when uh, the psalmist says, and forget not all his benefits. I, he was imploring them, don't forget because we need reminding. And I think that's the real, that's the powerful thing about the preaching of the gospel. And when we preach the gospel and we preach the message of, of Jesus Christ, and I know this is, we're not specific on the quote unquote message of Jesus Christ. But this is something I just want to point out very quickly is, is there are some people who get bored of the gospel. And I find that really, really weird. I find that really, really weird that, that there are people that will say, well, you know, every time we just hear the same thing again, that Jesus died for our sins and, and that he died for my wretchedness and my brokenness and that he rose again and that he ascended into heaven and, and now he sits at the right hand of the father and, and, and he returns again. And I go, I go, ah, we, we need reminding if that gets boring to you. And I don't know if you really understand how profoundly powerful and 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 the, the depth of the implications of what God has done in Christ Jesus to all humanity. 
Like that that's that to, to me I think we, we we sometimes we can easily forget. We easily forget, which is why we need to eat we need to hear over and over and over and over again. We need to be reminded. We need to be reminded. Because it's easy for us to forget. And we see what, what's happening even in the story that the children of Israel are being reminded over and over again. Josh is reiterating what Moses has reiterated. Moses iterated to the first generation. He's iterating to the next generation. So we're seeing the history of the people being said over and over and over and over again. Continually, over and over and over again. He's reminding them. Another thing I want to point real quick, point out real quick, and then I'll give you my uh, my thought. And maybe it's my closing thought. Who knows? I may end up just going full blown ranting because I'm going to try to keep it in. There's just so much here to unpack. But there's something that I wanted to point out to you, and I know we're not in full Bible study mode, but I want to point this out because this may help you understand um, this law that coincides with the covenant. There's a covenant and there is a law. Covenant is agreement that's made between two parties. The word covenant is a contract. It's a contract. It's a contract between two parties. Notice the contract was written between the children of Israel and Yahweh. Notice it's not us right now, but the children of Israel and Yahweh. They make this covenant with God at Mount Sinai. I'm going somewhere with this. They make a covenant with God at Mount Sinai. Now, this wasn't the first covenant. The covenant actually began with Abraham. In Genesis 15, I believe. And in Genesis 15, God makes a covenant with Abraham. Here's where the story becomes so... I just love the story. It's just It's a beautiful story when you think about it. Is Joshua is bringing remembrance of a covenant that was made, a covenant then that was reiterated at Mount Sinai in Exodus. And then now a a covenant again being reinstituted in Deuteronomy because Deuteronomy means the law again, a covenant being instituted in Deuteronomy. And then now we see a covenant being instituted at the end of Joshua 24. Covenant, 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 covenant. And every time the covenant is made, watch this now, there's a law that's being attached to it because there's covenant and contract. The law is a system by which the contract is fulfilled. The law is not a set of rules, but the law is a system. And so when we say under the law, it's here's the covenant and under the law. Watch this now. So now they make a covenant. These children now make a covenant with God. And then after the covenant, they receive the law, the Ten Commandments and all these things that were written was the law for them to shape out, to be and to fulfill the covenant that was given to them. Notice the law wasn't given to us. But anyway, another conversation for another day. So now they have the law. Then the covenant is reinstituted and they're given a law. And then the covenant is reinstituted and they're given more to the law. And now we get to Joshua 24. Stay with me. This is so much going on in my head. So let me help you out real quick. Um, And hopefully this all comes together because I didn't really construct my thoughts. So uh, hopefully this all makes sense at the end. But then the covenant now is being reinstituted. And in Joshua 24, we see now there's, there's a covenant, there's a promise. And, and, and in verse 19, chapter 24, verse 19, but Joshua said to the people, you cannot serve the Lord, your God, for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions, nor your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do harm and consume you. Um, and and after, after he has done good, has done you good. And the people said to Joshua, no, we will serve the Lord. This is the contract now that's happening. We see a contract being reinstituted again. So Joshua said to the people, 
You are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen Lord for yourselves to serve him. And they said, yes, we are witnesses. Now, therefore, he said, put away the foreign gods which are among you and incline your heart. Notice there's a contract. And now with the contract comes the law. And in verse 25 now, he says, so Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and made for them a statue and an ordinance in Shechem. Then watch this now covenant. Then Joshua wrote these words in the book of, of the law of God. And he took a stone and set it up there under the oak that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. Quick few things I need to just point out real quick. And then I'm going to get to my closing thought. I want to, I want to make sure y'all catching this. Okay. A covenant is being made with these people after they have now subdued the land that was promised to them. And notice here that the law, after the covenant is being made, Joshua is adding words to the book of the law. I hope y'all y'all see this. Okay. Again, this is not Bible study. I don't want to get into full full blown Bible study with you. I just want you, I just want to point something out here. Okay. Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law. There are those who will try to teach to you that that Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, that's the law. Okay. But if we read through the scriptures, we're going to know better that that's, that's, that was a law. But there is more to the law. Are you with me? Because now we get to verse 26 and now more words are being added to the law as a result of the covenant that is being given to them. Meaning while it is written in stone, it still isn't finished. The law, even at the end of Deuteronomy was incomplete. I know this might make some people uncomfortable because I know you may have been taught and, you know, there's some, <laughs> some people give, you know, different theological positions on this and they'll give you theologies and all this other stuff about how the law, the, the law was represented by the, the Torah, the Mosaic law. And yet, no, that's not what it says here. It tells you right here. It tells you that Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God. And he took a large stone and set it up under the oak that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. So the law, even in and of itself, was incomplete. The law was continually being, and you're going to see that, by the way, you're going to see this throughout the story of the, the, the children of Israel, that the law was still being written out throughout the entire Old Testament that they're making amendments and amendments and amendments and amendments and additions and additions to the law. Funny how we say the law is written in stone and yet the law is getting amended and ameliorated because the law was never a law unto salvation. The law was a law unto, we use the term sanctification. It was a law intended to shape us out into becoming the people that God intended us to be. It wasn't a rule for us to follow to either go to heaven or to go to hell. That wasn't the purpose of the law. Notice heaven and hell has not been even a part of this conversation. This has been about being the people who would fulfill the call of God in that particular time. We get so concerned about what do I need to do to be saved? Where, where, where does it show me? How, how do I go to heaven? How do I not? What must happen for me to go to heaven? And, and that's not what God is saying. He's saying your life on earth must be one in which we fear the Lord. Verse 14, serve him in sincerity. Verse 14 again, and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Now we're getting to my final point. 
there's just so much. I'm just all over the place. Stay with me. Hopefully it's helpful. If it's not, take whatever you can out of this, okay? What Joshua is doing here is a little bit different than what Moses did as he's closing out. Joshua in his last years, right? Moses Moses died right at 120. Right? Joshua was at 110 here, okay? And Joshua is giving his final words. Now watch this. What Joshua does, though, here is a little bit different than what Moses does. Moses reminds them of all the things God has done. Joshua, though, does something different. Joshua takes them further back. Joshua takes them all the way back to Terah. Again, notice the history is being right reiterated again. Guys. If you've been with me from the beginning, you know we've been reading about all this already, right? We've been reading about all of this, okay? We've been reading about this since since since, since Genesis, <laughs> right? And he's reminding them of something. Terah, Hamor. This Terah was Abraham's father. Remember when I remember when we uh, we talked about this in. Uh, in Genesis, I believe we were in Genesis 10. I forgot where it was now. Stay with me here. But but if you go back to Genesis and you study when, when Abraham received the word from the Lord to, to leave, remember that Abraham wasn't the first to receive it. Terah received it. Go back again. Terah actually received the word, but Abraham is the one who actually executed it. Terah was told, to leave the land. Terah began to leave and then he stayed. And then Abraham then went and left. And the scriptures tell us that Abraham believed in God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Abraham had faith and because he had faith, his faith was accounted to him for righteousness. Okay. Joshua goes all the way back to Terah. He goes back to Terah and he goes back to Hamor. And then he goes from Terah. And then he brings up that Terah continued to worship other gods. Huh? So even though Terah heard from the Lord and he heard from Yahweh, he chose to serve the gods of his city. He chose to serve the gods of his community. He chose to serve the gods of his land. And Terah now has Abraham. Abraham leaves all of it, forsakes all of it. Righteousness and justice, by the way, are the same word. To be the agent of justice, to bring the righteousness of God, the kingdom of God on earth. So now Abraham leaves and goes to the land that was promised. Abraham leaves with his nephew Lot. Again, what, why am I bringing all this up? Because notice what Joshua does here. He says, thus says the Lord, your fathers, including Terah, the father of Abraham and the father of Nahor, dwelt on the other side of the river, on the side of the river Jordan. Um, other side of the river in old times and they served other gods. Watch this now. Then I took your father Abraham on the other side of the river, led him throughout all the land of Canaan, multiplied his descendants and gave him Isaac. Hmm. To Isaac, I gave, he, I gave Jacob and Esau. And to Esau, I gave the mountain Seir to possess. But Jacob and his children went down to Egypt. Oh my gosh, I don't have enough time. <laughs> Stay with me here. Terah, Nahor, Abraham, Isaac, and Ishmael. Notice, notice, notice in that text, there's just a lot there. Oh, goodness. Um, then I took your father Abraham to the other side of it, led him throughout the land of Canaan, multiplied his descendants, and gave him Isaac. Did y'all see that? multiplied his descendants and gave him Isaac.
These were all Abraham's seed. All these people were his seed. The Hittites, the Hivites, the, the Jebusites, the Canaanites were all from the same genetic background. They were all related. <laughs> Watch this now, please. Because I, I want to make sure you guys see what Joshua is doing here. Joshua is, re is reminding them that Isaac, I gave Jacob and Esau. Jacob's name was changed to Israel and you guys became the nation of Israel. Esau had a whole nation for his own and they're also in Canaan as well. You guys are all of the same bloodline. Are, are you guys catching what's happening here? So when they're returning back into the land, they're returning back into the land. They've become a peculiar people and a Jewish people. This Jewish, we use the term Jewish, it's really Hebrew or Israelite nation. This Hebrew and this Israelite nation was established not from bloodline in the way that we like to call it. We'd like to say that it is a genetic thing and it's a bloodline, sorry, a bloodline thing. But no, it's deeper than that. It's bloodline and covenant. These people are all related to them. They all have the same relation. They all have the same relationship. They're all connected with each other. They're all related. They're all, to some degree, either cousins, third distant, fourth distant cousins. Because sometimes we, what we do is sometimes we, we, we look at like the, the Canaanites and we look at the, the, the Amorites and, and we see all these nations of people that they came into this land and to fight and, and, and to battle with them. And we make them these people that were just so different than them, but they weren't so different in genetics and in DNA. This was the same nation that Abraham came out of. Abraham came out of a pagan nation. And out of a pagan nation, God redeemed him and created a new nation. And under him, many nations. And this new nation would be a nation under covenant with God. Family, I hope this is helping you see things differently about this text. Joshua is revealing something here. This was never about DNA. This was about covenant and faith. This was never about DNA. This was about covenant and faith. Abraham believed God and that's what set him apart. This was still his bloodline. What broke Abraham from the bloodline was faith. The difference between Isaac and Ishmael was covenant. Isaac begets, um, um, sorry, yeah, be, uh, sorry. The difference between, yes, Isaac and Ishmael was covenant. The difference between Isaac's sons, Jacob and Esau was covenant. Esau, was, his name was changed to Israel, being reminded of the covenant. God is writing a story through a history and a bloodline. So if you wrote out a family tree, you could trace down this one tree. And the, and the one thing that lines up with this tree is devotion to Yahweh. Did you? Let me give you the picture here. And then, and then we're done. And then we're done. If you create, you know how you have the ancestry, right? Ancestry.com. 
You ever seen like family trees or you have a family tree? And if you start writing out the family tree, like maybe we'll do this for a Bible study. Who knows? Where we're just going to sit down and just put it on a board. Just put all the, just put the family trees of all the nations that we see in the Bible. And what you're going to see is they're all related to each other. They all came from the same area, the same place. Most had the same father. And then you see now that family tree as it, as it opens and as it continues to branch out and branch out and branch out and branch out and branch out, you can trace now Abraham from, from Nahor. You can, you can trace now, sorry. Yeah, you can, tr from, from Terra, sorry. From Terra, you can trace one line all the way down. And, and of course, we don't have the time to do that here. But you can trace one line all the way down. And that one line all the way down, what you're going to see is it's going to be devotion to Yahweh. And we're going to talk about what that means. Devotion to Yahweh and faith. That's all it was. And then what you're going to see is along that family tree, there are family tree, there are branches in that tree that become restored and now get branched together with it. Rahab, the, 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 the prostitute from Jericho. Now she's a part of the story of this bloodline. Now you see other things being, so God is bringing restoration to the bloodline and in that bloodline there's a line and a family tree why is this so important why is this critical it's critical because what Josh is showing to them is he's saying guys it's your devotion to God that continues to write out the blessing of God through you this covenant that you've made with God is way bigger than you Notice, this is not, I, I want to make sure everybody understands this, and I hope you don't lose sight of this. This was not written to us, but it's written to us, it's written for us to, to, to see the story that God is writing and revealing through these people, that God is doing something, he's bringing justice back to the earth. He's bringing righteousness back to the earth. He's bringing healing back to the earth. He's bringing restoration back to the earth. He's making all things new for all mankind, for all ethnicities, for all of humanity. And it's all happening through this bloodline. And in this bloodline, when it branches out, what it branches out by is not by Blood, not by ethnicity, not by gender, not by any of that, but by faith. The law is going to get adjusted as we go because the law was not intended to save you. The scriptures tell us that the strength of sin is the law. The law gives the accuser power. The law gives the accuser the ability to deceive you. The law gives the accuser fodder <laughs> to shoot against you, to cause you to question who you are. Because if the enemy can take your faith, he can take everything away because what you have is not DNA. What you have is faith. Therefore, verse 14, fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and in truth and put away the gods which your fathers served. He's saying the difference between Terah and Abraham was the gods he served. That's exactly right. He's the accuser, one who opposes. The difference between Terah and Abraham was the gods he served. The difference between you and all these other people are the gods you serve. So therefore, fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and in truth. Put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the river of the Jordan. Serve the Lord. And if it seems evil 
to you to serve the Lord. Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your that your father served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. This is the grand picture. And then I'm, I'm, I'm going to close. Um, family. Understand the purpose of the children of Israel. Their purpose. If I have to remind you, and then I'll close with this. The purpose of the children of Israel. Thank you so much for the badges, family. Thank you so much. The purpose of the children of Israel was to establish God's kingdom on earth. That was their purpose. The covenant that he made with them was to establish his kingdom on earth. God, from the beginning, was in the business of reestablishing his kingdom on earth. This has always been about the kingdom of God. That's what it's been about, family. I know we want to get to Jesus. We want to eventually get to Jesus. And yes, we're going to get to Jesus. But hey, did you guys not realize that most of the time when Jesus was preaching and Jesus was teaching, what was he preaching? He was preaching the kingdom of God. I think we missed that. The, the grand narrative of the scripture is the kingdom of God. This has always been about the kingdom of God. Are y'all catching me? Let me help you out. Let me help you out. Let me help you out. This has always been about the kingdom of God. Jesus was preaching the kingdom of God. That's it. That's it. When we say the kingdom of God, here's what people think. People think the kingdom of God is heaven. Like going up to heaven, dying and going to heaven. That's not what Jesus was preaching. Jesus was very much preaching about what is happening on earth. Stay with me, family. Because we've been, you know, a lot of times we're being taught these theologies and these doctrines and these, these things and, and, and we're missing it. We're missing it. This was always about his kingdom on earth. When we talk about Adam and we talk about Adam's sin, People think it's just, oh, Adam broke the law. There was no law at Adam's time. So it couldn't have been about the law. There was no Adam in that time. Abraham, if the law was meant to save or to send people to heaven or to hell, if the law was the means by which we go to heaven or to hell, then guys, Abraham couldn't go to heaven. Abraham didn't have a law. There was no law for Abraham. There was no law for, for Adam. There was no law for Noah. The law didn't exist for any of those guys. So we've been taught this, how important the law is for going to heaven and hell. And we don't realize that, guys, this was always about God reestablishing his rule on earth. When Adam sinned against God, understand this, Adam gave man dominion. Sorry, um, Yahweh gave man dominion over the earth. You know what dominion means? It means rule. God gave us rule and he gave us rule under the law that he has created. There's a law that is established. We get, we don't get mad at gravity because gravity is an established law by God. That's, that's just, it's just a law. It exists. You don't get to change that. And in the same way, all laws are laws that have been established by God because they embody the very character of God. That's why God is within all things. He is in all things and through all things. So God is in all things. So it's, it's, it's all the law. So when Adam sinned, Adam became an ambassador who now committed treason. And in committing treason, the consequence of it is now everything that we see that is wrong on earth. Do you know that the reason why there's so much pain and so much suffering and why the world is the way it is, is because we break God's law. It's because his kingdom has not been established. Are y'all catching that? It's because his kingdom has not been established. That's why. So now we ask, well, how then does, do we establish the kingdom? Because God has been in the business of restoring his kingdom on earth. That's what the Bible is about. 
The Bible's not about how you follow rules and laws to go to heaven or to hell. The scripture is about how God is reestablishing his kingdom on earth. That's why when Jesus closed his prayer, he said, your kingdom come, your will be done. Where? On earth as it is in heaven. God said, I'm bringing a new heaven in Revelation and a new earth. God is establishing his kingdom on earth. And if his kingdom comes and his kingdom is on earth, then his people need to rule as ambassadors to the kingdom. How is God establishing his rule? He's doing it through these people. So the reason why God has done this covenant and why he's closing with these words is because he's saying you cannot serve any other gods. There are other gods out there. There are other Elohim out there. There are other there are other things that will distract you from God's agenda. But God's agenda for these people was to serve and to fear him and to rule this earth as he intended mankind to rule the earth. And the way mankind ruled was not through capitalism. The way mankind ruled was not through um, socialism. The way mankind ruled was not through communism. Those are all human constructs. The way mankind ruled was not through uh, you know, all the other isms that are out there. The way mankind ruled was not through feminism. The way mankind ruled was not through all these other human man-made constructs that simply look to glorify themselves in their thought. Have you noticed that every ism out there is really centered on a type of person? Have you ever noticed that every ism in the world is pointed to the self, to the ego. Have you noticed that? Every ism out there is not pointed to where it should be pointed to. So how do you fear God is to get rid of your isms. Somebody asked me, how do, how do I fear God? Get rid of your isms. Your isms are the problem. Sexism, racism, ageism, communism, capitalism, socialism, communism, all your isms are the problem. <laughs> the way God ruled was through sacrifice, loving one another. And he's saying, choose this day who you will serve. It's because everybody else around you, even though they're related to you, they serve isms. They serve egos. They serve me, myself, and I. They serve themselves. Your government looks different. You're going to rule differently. This was all about how they ruled. So God is bringing a new rule to this land and he's establishing his kingdom in this land because he wants the world to see what the kingdom of God was supposed to look like. That was the purpose of the children of Israel. He, from the beginning, they were told to be a nation of priests. And yet in the end, Joshua ends with them and says, you guys are going to need to choose this day who you will serve because this covenant that you've made with God, this is how you're going to do it. That's why you see over and over again, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. When Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself, he's just reiterating the law that they had already received. The problem is, is that they were too busy following rules and not obeying the law. When the law was quite simple, he said all the law of the prophets and all of the law and all of the prophets, sorry, all of the law and all the prophets hang on, love your neighbor as yourself, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. That is how you fulfill and obey and fear God. And that's why the law keeps getting adjusted and adjusted because the law is helping them every step of the way. It's giving them new means by which they ought to do this thing.
And we're going to see the law changing as we go. So today, my challenge for you is are you being distracted by the things that are in the regions that God calls you to possess? Notice the land that they're possessing has isms all over it. And he's telling them, don't follow the isms. There are all kinds of isms here. Don't follow them. No, 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 no. We don't serve isms. We love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, and all our might. We love our neighbors as ourselves. So therefore, choose this day who you will serve. Are you going to serve their gods, their isms? Or are you going to serve me? Because as long as you serve their isms, there will be pain. There will be suffering. Remember, these nations were barbaric. But it seemed right to them. And in the end, it led to their destruction. So the challenge that I, as I'm reading this text and I'm, and I'm, we're closing out, Joshua says at the end, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. There are people from all over the world who are watching this right now. When we say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We often simply look at, oh, the sinful things that everybody's doing in the world. Look at all the sin and all the stuff, you know, all this stuff. There's some stuff that seems right to you that you have to go back and ask, are you serving an ideology or are you serving the Lord? Are you, are you serving an ism and believing in an ism or are you being driven by the love and the grace of God? Father, I ask today, Lord, as we um, close this chapter and close this book, Lord, we hear the call of Joshua reminding us of, Lord, the ancestors that came before and how among them were those who chose to serve you and those who chose to serve themselves. chose to serve and gratify their flesh and their desire. And so, Father, as we come before you today, Lord, we're convicted. I'm convicted. Lord, hearing these last words of Joshua as he closes and he says to me, choose this day whom I will serve. Lord, teach me to be aware, Lord, of the isms that drive my thinking. Teach me to be aware of, Lord, other kingdoms that I'm contributing to and establishing. Father, teach me to prioritize your kingdom over any kingdom. Lord, bless us all who are here today, Lord, that we would, Lord, submit to your kingdom, your rule, to live sacrificially for one another, to to desire and to care for one another, to give love and mercy to one another, um, to serve not as the, lo- as the world serves, to, to think not as the world thinks, but Lord, to be the peculiar people that you've called us to be for, Lord, you are establishing a new nation. And through that new nation, you are establishing your government, one, uh, Lord, that, that transcends all boundaries, transcends all races, cultures, ethnicities, Lord, that goes beyond, Lord, simply ideologies and man-made constructs and man-made doctrines and and even man-made theologies, but one that, Lord, seeks to establish your kingdom on earth. Lord, may we be your agents of righteousness and justice. May we seek mercy. May we walk humbly before you. May we fear you in all that we do. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.